all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jamie Stewart here with you this morning, answering your questions about uh, anything that you have been thinking about that is related to your health. This is the program where you can call in and we can try to get you the answers that you need about your health care uh, in general, maybe it's about somebody else in your family too. You can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Hope everybody is staying safe out there, particularly uh, across the southeast of Mississippi. We're getting hit really hard. If you uh, maybe you've uh, been stuck somewhere and not looking at the news, but I think most everybody is aware of our situation. Uh, to call dire situation would not be um, would not be um, uh, misrepresenting it. Uh, currently, I just saw some uh, some of the numbers for today. We have over 4,000 new cases in a single day, 35 additional deaths. Um, hospitals across the state are now full and overflowing. We've started to see, unfortunately, um, you know, really. Uh, desperate need for uh, for uh, this to, to go down. Thankfully, we've received some help from uh, across the nation. I know here at UMMC, we now have two field hospitals. So those are additional spaces in our two of our parking garages that uh, have been manned by Samaritan's Purse and by uh, federal uh, disaster relief um, uh, medical personnel. And um, that though we're still seeing a lot of patients that are waiting long much longer than we would like uh, to receive care and um, it is a a really desperate situation how can we change this it's not too late if you have uh, certainly been waiting on getting a uh, vaccine against COVID now's the time to consider that Um, that is our best uh, weapon against COVID, uh, both developing new uh, cases and also in the severity if you do get it, uh, get COVID and are vaccinated. Um, the vast majority of hospitalized patients, so right around 90% uh, who uh, are admitted to our hospitals have not been vaccinated or have incomplete vaccinations. Uh, so the vaccine does work. I know there's a lot of talk about masking out there. This is an excellent time to do that in addition to vaccinations. That'll just improve your uh, chances of not contracting the virus uh, from other people. Makes sense if you think about it. If you just think about the uh, equipment, uh, let's say we're about to ramp up into football season here. Um, You know, there's lots of different equipment that a football player 
puts on and when they go out to protect themselves so they can play uh, the game. Uh, you know, if you think about vaccinations as a helmet to protect the head, um, you wouldn't just put on a, a helmet. You'd put on shoulder pads and other gear that you need to protect yourself. So it's just something additional to help protect uh, against the COVID virus uh, as far as masks go. So I would encourage everybody to do that. There's lots of different ways that you can get vaccinated. If you do develop COVID, uh, make sure that you reach out to your um, healthcare professional uh, quickly. There are, uh, you know, the best treatment, despite having a lot of other treatments that have been proven ineffective, the best treatment uh, in, on initial presentation when you test positive, if you qualify, is a monoclonal antibody. And this is an antibody that's been designed against the coronavirus. Um, and that's uh, being um, actually one of our field hospitals in our garage is actually um, set up to do that for patients to go in and get that if they qualify. So please stay safe out there. We want to get to the point where we, you know, had a little bit of a respite early in the summer, particularly for vaccinated folks and saw the, the decrease in um, decrease in our numbers. But unfortunately, right now, um, we are seeing a, a spike that is really disturbing. It is dangerous, and it requires an increased amount of this, um, I think, with all of us. So I would encourage everybody to do that. Uh, this Dr. Is Southern, yeah, go ahead, Kevin. We have got our first caller on the line, and sure. it is Susan calling. Go ahead, Susan. You're on the air. Hey, Susan. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, I have three friends, three friends that live in Jackson that last weekend saw an ad on TV saying that if they were over 65, they could get the booster at CVS or Walgreens. They went to CVS on Monday and got it. National News is saying it is not available for 65 and older. So how did they get it? Uh, I'm not sure what national news program that was, but it has been approved for ages 65 and older, particularly if you have, if you're at risk. So it may, they may have been talking about people who weren't at risk, and by at well, risk, they don't I have mean, immune problems or transplant or, you know, what I'm hearing on CBS. Yeah, a lot. They're just over 65. Right. So that they're not. They don't have a blanket over 65 indication right now. Now, that may change, um, but uh, I know a lot of physicians are saying, well, this person has a relative risk because of whatever reason. If they have high blood pressure, if, they have, if they're obese, if they have type 2 diabetes, even though that's not a direct you know, uh, immune system, it doesn't directly make your immune system less likely to work correctly, that's sort of a relative indication. So I'm not sure if they fit into those categories. Well, they um, were not asked any questions at the drugstore. They just gave them the booster. Yeah. I can't speak for those drugstores, but that's not okay. quite what our current, you know, what our current um, recommendations are both nationally and at the state level too. So there are, you know, older you are you are at an increased risk so 65 is one of those but certainly they should have had at least some kind of screening process where they ask that i know for a lot of my patients that have gone to pharmacies what i've done is faxed over a uh, 
you know, just a statement about what type of, of immune compromise uh, conditions that they have, um, okay. you know, to sort of justify that. So, yeah, so Mississippi I, I, does what Mississippi wants to do. In a nutshell. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> you're, you're correct. Um, okay. uh, but, uh, and, you know, this may change uh, as we, particularly in the next few weeks, as we, you know, I, I anticipate that the FDA, I don't, I don't have any direct knowledge of this, but I've just heard a few things that they're probably going to approve vac- the you know current vac- vaccines that we have against COVID within the next few weeks, so uh, or at least about a month. But um, you know, once that happens, I think you'll see a lot more indications um, as we get more you know more information on that. But okay. that may broaden out. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, Susan, thank you for calling. This is Southern Remedy. The number to call if you have a question or a comment is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. One of the other questions I get, too, is like, well, what do I do if, you know, um, to to secure a vaccine and uh, there's still a lot of places that you can get it. Uh, again, if you uh, go to the Mississippi State Department of Health website, they have a number of locations. Your physicians, some physicians' offices are uh, offering that, particularly Moderna and Johnson Johnson. Uh, boosters, too, is a little bit of confusing on that. I've had a lot of students that have asked about that. They really are recommending that you go, if you got a Pfizer and Moderna, that you stick with that same type of, of uh, manufacturer vaccine for the booster uh, if you qualify. Uh, so if you got the Pfizer one, there are limited uh, locations for that, um, but just because you had to keep it a lot cooler. But there are a lot of places out there, and certainly the pharmacies are, are stocking it right now. So that's, that's definitely something that you can get. Um, a lot of other questions about patients about, well, what do I do when I get sick? Still call your physician's office. Know right now that some things are being limited to try to prevent the spread, and there may be some screening. Um, you know, just go ahead and, and expect that there may be some additional screenings that might happen at your physician's office uh, that you didn't have even a few weeks ago. And again, that's just to protect people, particularly against Delta, because a lot of people are saying, well, well we didn't have that the first time, uh, didn't have these, these types of screenings. Remember, the Delta variant is more contagious than that first couple of waves that came through. So it has changed so such that it's much more contagious, about as contagious as, as chickenpox. Uh, so that's a lot of the reasons why. I've had a lot of patients that said, you know, I just don't understand if I'm sick, why can't I go to the doctor's office? You can if you're screened appropriately, but that might mean that you're diverted towards either an acute care type situation or an ER. And unfortunately, right now, just because of the volume of people that we have across the state, our ERs are, you know, it's going to be quite a wait. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy.
Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart with you this morning answering your questions and calls about any kind of healthcare issue that you might be interested in today. It doesn't have to be COVID related. Certainly that's on a lot of people's minds. You can reach us this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. If you can't call in, you can always email us. I want to encourage everybody to do that. Um, If you have a question that you couldn't get through or couldn't uh, uh, ask on the air, we certainly read those and respond to them as quickly as we can. We also like to share those to the rest of our audience if you give us permission to do that. Um, The uh, email address is remedy at mpbonline.org. Dr. Jimmy. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, our colleague Liz Gill had a good question uh, during the break, and she asks, uh, if you're in a room and someone has COVID and they're spreading germs or whatever, how long does it take to dissipate uh, and make it maybe is not as uh, dangerous in, in the confined space? Yeah, that's a great question. So they've done a couple of studies on this, looking at how long do those uh, viral particles, and you know, it's not just the virus floating around with this. It's actually on small uh, respiratory uh, droplets. So when somebody coughs, sneezes, or even, you know, singing early on in the first wave, there are reports on the West Coast of uh, a choir practice where everybody got it. So it depends on a number of things, the size of the room, how long that person was in the room, the air handling in the room, uh, so the air conditioner system and those kinds of things. So if it's in a room uh, that has a a high turnover of the air in there, you're going to decrease your risk. Uh, if you'll, if you you know, you're sort of familiar with what a close contact is, the way it's the 15 minutes or more in a day that you're in direct close contact with a person who is positive. Um, now, that was based off of that first couple of rounds of COVID. Um, again, this one is a lot more contagious. Um, so if you are, you know, in a room with three or four or or more people, uh, just about everybody in that room, if they're around you for, you know, 10, 15 or more minutes are going to be at least potentially exposed. And that's another reason why masks do work. For the person who has COVID and has a mask on, it can decrease your uh, transmission of that um, by about 60%. So that's a good bit. Uh, So if you have any symptoms, you definitely want to mask up in a situation like that. Uh, but really, there's a lot of different variability. They've done some studies on airlines. Airlines actually have a very high turnover of the air, uh, particularly if you have the um, overhead uh, little um, air blower that's up there that you can turn on. That actually decreases your risk in an airplane just because of the high turnover of the air in there. You would think in an enclosed space it would be it would be an increased risk, but actually airlines are pretty safe um, to because of that turnover, particularly if you have a mask on. But that's a great question, Liz. Uh, and we have a caller on the line, and it is Bill who's calling in from the road today. All right. Thanks, Bill. What's your question? 
Yes, a uh, question about boosters for COVID. Uh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm 72, post-prostate cancer, surgery and radiation, also have a heart condition, had the Moderna vaccine back in February, uh, coming up on six months. Uh, I had a spike protein test this week that said my uh, antibodies were 250 point, and I think that's times a thousand. Uh, I don't think I need a booster yet. Yeah, that's a you. You brought up a good point that you know people. If you have access to get antibody titers, and that's what you just described, that's sort of a a titer is just a measure of how high your antibodies are to something. We do this with a lot of other immunization situations. Um, particularly with healthcare workers who are, you know, at risk to see if they need a booster for certain things. Um, so you can use that. So of the things that you described, certainly your your age, uh, those other risk factors, prostate cancer, after you recover from that, and if you're not taking anything, you know, any chemotherapy or anything for that, that's not a big risk. Heart disease is sort of a relative risk. If you had kidney disease, that's a major risk. But... Um, even if your antibody titers, let's say that you had one of those other high risk factors like chronic kidney, kidney disease or you were, you were on, still on chemotherapy, regardless of what those antibody titers, that puts you at a higher risk. In your situation, I think it is relative and having that antibody titer that's high right now, you probably don't at this point. And again, the whole reason for getting boosters is in people whose a either their immune system is not functioning properly because of, you know, multiple reasons, or that loss of those antibodies over time. And this is not—it's not really any different than a lot of other vaccines that we give. You know, a regular vaccine series, for instance, for tetanus or diphtheria in a child, we give. Doses over time to build up that immune system and sustain that over time. A tetanus shot is recommended anywhere from five to ten years after you're exposed, you know, potentially exposed, just because we know those antibodies decrease over time. But Bill, I think you've, you know, that's not everybody has access to that, and you don't necessarily need to get it if you're high risk. I think it was totally appropriate in your situation where there's sort of that question: Well, are, are you at risk or not? Um, but I think, yeah, right now, certainly by all means that we can tell that you would be still have some protection. Right, but my understanding is they're about to say that everybody's going to need a booster after eight months. Well, that's that's yeah. So the jury's not quite out on that, but that's probably where we're going. And again, you know, if you look, if you think about how long we've had it, we're just now that over time there are people who have gotten the vaccine that they're getting regular because that's the way we we get the data they're getting regular blood draws at different intervals to see how long that antibody response uh, is and that includes individuals that are younger individuals whose immune systems you know are are working perfectly Uh, but once we have that data if it shows up yeah that would be a change and I know that's confusing for a lot of people because they're like, okay, you said it was going to work for a while, and now you're saying that you need a booster. That's just because of the new information coming in. 
you know, I, I get most of my medical information from my primary care physician. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, I would say that's the, probably the best. Which, which, uh, the which best is my place. first, my first source. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. number one, they're the experts on that. Number two, they know you probably better than other people. So that's that's good. All right. Thank you. All right, Bill. Thank you for calling. You stay safe. Got another caller on the line, uh, Dr. Jimmy, and it is Edward from Jackson. Hey, Edward. Thanks for calling this morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Listen, I got a couple of comments. Okay. I got my third shot yesterday. I'm a kidney transplant survivor of 14 years, and I'm sitting here, and uh I'm not having any really bad problems. You know, I'm just, I feel uh, this shot hurt last night, and uh, I just want to let everybody know uh, you need to get the vaccine. I'm sitting here, the, and I took two Tylenols and had a beer, and I feel pretty good. Now, <laughs> my other comment is uh, the education system, not only in Mississippi but across the country, has developed people who are really ignorant. They don't think for themselves. They let people like these politicians brainwash them and, and put out all this propaganda and they're not sitting at home and saying, well, do I, this is a, this is, look at the cases, these people dying there. Why am I sitting here reluctant to get in the vaccine? It's because they haven't been able to think for themselves. They're followers. They, there's too many followers in this country and not enough individual people who are capable of self-thought. That, that, and, and, and it's a shame because uh, I, I I'm, I'm 76 and I grew up in the United States and I don't know what we have now. It, it's not the country I grew up in. And the people need to think for themselves, evaluate the situation. And if, if their neighbors are dying and these kids, a little girl died, you know, she, she got the cold on Thursday and she was dead Saturday. Does that does not make any uh uh, ring a bell with these people? I don't understand. Yeah, Edward, I, I, I appreciate those comments. Um, first of all, you know, kudos to you and uh, for getting the vaccine, certainly with that kidney transplant. I know you're going to be at a higher risk. And your experience is what I've seen and heard in other of my, you know, in, in uh, most of my patients have had very little or or not, no side effects from the vaccines. Um, you know, I think your comments about one of the things we try to do on Southern Remedy and that I try to do with my patients and in talking to other groups is it's not my job to, to, to force anybody to do anything. It's my job to give them the best information so that they can make up their mind about it. And I think you're right. We do have a lot of debate and discussion um, that's not necessarily about the facts, but has a lot of other things in it. You know, I'm certainly, uh, you know, politics is good being, being involved in that. And certainly a lot of people are uh, very vocal and have, have lots of, of uh, opinions that are very pointed about that. And that's great. But, you know, when you think about science, um, it's it you got to look at the data and you got to look at what that does over time. I mean, that's that's just what we do. Uh, it's unfortunate that there is sort of a mixture of both of those things. And I totally, you know, our leaders, they have to make decisions based on that. And 
Um, I would hope that they would do that to the best of their ability. But I think you're right. You know, this is America, and everybody can think for themselves and certainly can make those decisions. And uh, when I talk to people, I usually say, look, I'm not here to convince you about anything, but I can tell you what I believe and what my opinions are as a medical expert. But it's really my job to give the, the data and that experience to somebody and let them make and that's not too different than what I do in my, you know, in the in the, my clinic in the in a room with a patient day in and day out. Um, here's your risk of hypertension. Here's your risk of diabetes. These are the medications that I think you ought to be on. Here's some of the side effects, and you know, have that discussion with the patient and um, make those choices that are going to improve their health. So. Yeah, I appreciate those comments. I think that, you know, there's a lot more of uh, emotion-based decisions that aren't made on the best data, I think, out there. So I do appreciate that. Edward, thank you, and uh, stay safe, and uh, thanks for sharing that with us today. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your questions and calls about any kind of health care issue you might have. The number to call this morning is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 464 Let's go to Dave, who's been patiently waiting on the phone. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning. Uh, two questions COVID-related. Okay. Uh, my wife and I are both in our late 70s. We have no underlying medical conditions, thank goodness. Uh, day before yesterday, we received a call from a friend um, indicating that one of the hospitals locally was giving shots, including the booster, um, at our local civic center, uh, and that they had gone down and gotten the booster. Uh, all four of us were about seven months out. We went down, and when we told the nurse who was, you know, there that we weren't sure that we had a qualification, and her comment was that we are losing so many uh, shots as far as just expiration that we are starting to take the position that if you are anywhere close to qualifying, we are giving, you know, the boosters. Thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I've heard that too. Uh, and certainly, I you know, I hate to hear so many sites, so many vaccination sites that, you know, there's an expiration on this after you Correct. set it up. And uh, you can't just pop it back in the fridge, um, you know, after a certain length of time. So I have heard this, and certainly I understand, you know, the the thought process of like, hey, if we still have all these vaccines, why not at least give it, you know, to to someone? Uh, now, again, right now, from a state standpoint, we were trying to we're trying to prioritize the most um, the the people at most risk. Um, However, you know, I know individual uh, distributors of the vaccines, whether that's a hospital or a clinic, you know, they can make those kinds of decisions individually. It's a little bit off from state recommendations are ideally we'd like to get everybody vaccinated first and then target those people who are at a higher risk. But I certainly can see that in, in the thought process there with some some individual clinics about giving it. It is off a little bit from what the recommendations are, but I certainly understand sure. balancing that against, uh, you know, having those vaccines, uh, just having to throw them away. Now, number two, uh, we have a general practice physician here in Mobile who has announced that effective October 1st, he will no longer treat unvaccinated individuals now no comment was made being general practice as to you know where children fit in with this uh, but he says he was tired of exposing himself and his staff to individuals who just refused uh, to get you know the vaccine so again thoughts on that as to a way to encourage people to get vaccinated yeah, I hate. Yeah, I you know I know a lot of I know a lot of pediatricians that um, have similar practice uh, practices that they in their practice where they for um, unvaccinated children they'll say hey I, I, we really only treat you know vaccinated children. I have taken a different um, you know approach over my career. Um, you know, I really look at that as an opportunity to treat everyone. Uh, and again, those are decisions I know that individuals make. You know, I treat both kids and adults. And the, um, my, uh, I do have some families that have, for whatever reason, their reasons that they don't vaccinate their kids. We still we still see them in clinic. Um, you know, I, I don't, I personally, as a physician, don't want to, um, to not have my door open for for those individuals even if they're not you know vaccinated now i advocate for vaccinations even in those families i'm not just saying i'm, I'm saying hey you know as long as you understand i'm probably going to talk to you every time about the importance of why i think that vaccines are important and what they can help prevent but as far as closing more of those people i you know that's going to be that's pretty tough and it does leave a lot of people without any medical care in some situations. So that's just my personal reasons on that. Oh, uh, sure, particular. sure. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting. And uh, he, of course, did not specifically say anything about his, uh, you know, minor patients, but he was right, referring right. to adults. If you come to me and you're not vaccinated, go somewhere else. Yeah. And, you so, know, anyway. I mean, okay. if, you, if you think about it, too, and you mentioned, you know, those less than 12, it's not, you know, it's not recommended right now. Uh, yeah, that, that's a population that may be just as easily 
spreading it in the office. So at least with numbers as high as they are right now. But I think it, it is it is very reflective of a lot of the frustration that physicians and other healthcare workers have right now because we're doing just about as much as we can and we're we're being overwhelmed with the volume right now and unfortunately I think it's impacting not just with COVID but other things too. I mean there's other healthcare delivery uh that's not being met um because of this. Well do you see uh uh you know, with the way physicians and nurses are just being pushed beyond their limit, uh, are you starting to see any discussion about literally PTSD uh, among, you know, those groups? There's a lot of mental health issues right now um, that we've seen. Uh, in fact, we have stepped up um, our support services for physicians, nurses, other health care, and even the people who are you know, the people who are cleaning rooms, who are providing uh, food, it's everybody when you, it is a very emotionally heavy. um, And, you know, the more I talk to people, I was just talking to a nurse practitioner in another hospital last week who basically, uh, you know, a young patient in the ICU, he was in his thirties, late thirties, had to put him on a ventilator. His chances of coming off were about 30% or less. And he had to say, you know, he wanted to talk to his wife and his eight-year-old. Uh, it's just heart-wrenching, you know, when you um, see that and you see a lot of it, even if you're used to that. It's just really hard. And, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I mean, if you send people to war to see, see similar things and they come back. Yes. Um, you're going to have a lot of that that follows you. I mean, we, I know a lot of people say, well, y'all signed up for this. That is totally true. Mm-hmm. And, and I would do it over again personally. Uh, it's just when you see a lot of it day in and day out and that you're, you sort of have your hand tied behind your back just because of the volume and the resources that you have, it's extremely frustrating. Well, in Mississippi, are you seeing particularly nurses, uh, leaving the medical profession simply because of, you know, burnout, uh, PTSD, whatever you want to call it. We're having that yeah. problem yeah. Uh, here in Mobile. Yeah, we we are too. I mean, that's a national uh, problem right now. And there's a lot of competition now for nurses. So you see a lot of nurses that are doing travel nursing in other parts of the country. Uh, you know, you can get paid. Actually, you can get paid to uh, for even if you're a nurse practitioner, in some instances, you can get paid higher uh, hourly wage as a nurse, and in, in particularly in an ICU, than you would get paid as a nurse practitioner. So, yeah, there's a lot of movement right now in uh, nursing and physicians. Uh, I think a lot of people, and a lot of people are just saying, hey, I'm going to take early retirement. This is just too much for me right now, or I'm going to do something different. Okay. I appreciate uh, uh, you letting me take so much of your time, and uh, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate you. Let's go to, I believe you said Sue, Kevin. Is that right? Uh, Sue's having some phone issues. She keeps dropping off. We're going to get her back on the line. But in the meantime, let's go to Gail from Biloxi. All right. Gail, you're on the line this morning for calling. Are you there, Gail? Yes, thank you. Thank you for calling. What's your question this morning? Um, well, I was wanting to ask about um, 
people who've already had COVID. Um, one of my sons got COVID early on before vaccines or anything else were available, and he was experiencing, um, once he recovered, he was experiencing long-term symptoms, brain fog, chronic fatigue syndrome, and so on. Um, But then when he became eligible for the vaccine, he got the Moderna vaccine. And after he got the vaccine, all of those symptoms went away. And I was just wondering if that's been other people's experience, if you're seeing that with other patients. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of that. I've heard a couple of other instances where that was the case. And, you know, I don't know if it was directly related to the vaccine or if it was, you know, just the natural course of that. The, the symptoms that you uh, that you describe and the symptoms that other people are describing are from the actual infection and, uh, you know, with COVID. And some people are, are uh, there's a term for that called long COVID symptoms. And those can last for months. We really don't know how long those are going to last in some patients. Um, so certainly one of the reasons for vaccinations in people who've already had COVID uh, is to boost, again, boost that immune system uh, so that they don't have it in the future, uh, that you can, you know, a lot of people have been reinfected later on. Uh, I've had a few patients, that unfortunately, they've, they've gotten COVID twice now, and it's, you know, it's more, <laughs> once is enough. Um, so, again, if you have a vaccine that can help prevent that reinfection or decrease the symptoms of a infection, that makes sense to get it. But, you know, that's great that he had a resolution of the symptoms. I don't know if that was uh, directly related to the, you know, uh, boost, the second uh, Moderna vaccine, uh, or if a, getting a booster would, would do that in other people. I think we're going to have to study that longer to see if that's the case. But certainly it can help your immune system say, hey, I recognize this. I just want to be reminded of it so that I don't get it in the future. Very good. Thank you. All right, Gail. Thank you for calling. We appreciate you. And uh, we do have Sue on the line now from Beaumont. Good to talk to you, Sue. <laughs> I was just wondering, all these people add that Pfizer and Moderna shots and think they're protected, you know, and then a few months later comes on, you got to have like a booster. <laughs> I know there was a little in the, the these drug companies made bukus of money from these making the manufacturing these vaccines, and I'm just wondering if there's some financial incentive for them now to say you got to have boosters uh i've heard that i've heard a lot of people bring that up how about eight months from now they said no you got to have another booster and that way they can stay in business forever just stringing people along i'm just wondering about that sure uh the 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 data to support that is is strong um for how much longer you need the booster and by the way i don't have any kind of stock or any kind of interest in these companies at all. I don't get paid from them or anything. Um, but yeah, so, so the way that the determination for the booster is made is not directly from the company. Since they're making the vaccines, a lot of times they'll release all the information they have, but there's an external monitoring system, both for side effects and for the efficacy. In other words, how well they're working. So they'll, they're looking for things like, uh, in a vaccinated person, person who's exposed to COVID, do they get COVID? Do they have more severe cases of it? And all that is being, uh, you know, reported back to the FDA in particular and other groups to sort of try to determine, okay, that's the point where we need to say you need a booster or not. Um, certainly, the the some 
the callers called in on a, in their experiences and some hospitals or clinics given boosters for those who may not have those qualifications. You know, that we, we would call that an off-label indication anyway. Um, but hopefully, you know, as we get more info, we'll know exactly the people that, that would need it. And the whole reason for giving it to immunocompromised people is that we have seen that. They were immunized before, and we started to see some of them get COVID when they were exposed to it, even though they were vaccinated against it, which is one of the reasons why, re, you know, giving them a booster dose uh, was was recommended. So I don't, you know, see, I certainly can see how you would, you know, somebody might question that with a company. And I'm not saying they're not making money, but certainly the amount that they're making is not necessarily the same amount that they did with a lot of other products. So they're certainly a lot of, you know, a lot of money in this with vaccines. Um, but, I, you know, from all the decisions that I've seen, it's been based on data and not necessarily just on, you know, just giving another vaccine just to give it. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes. That was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your questions, taking your calls about any kind of healthcare question that you might have. The number to call is 1877 MPB Ring. That's 1877 1877- Six seven two seven four six four. If you didn't get a chance to call in today, uh, you can always email us. Send those emails to remedy at mpbonline.org. Dr. Jimmy, looks like we're going to wrap things up with two more calls. We'll go to Mildred from Clinton. Then we'll hear from Joel in Natchez. So first, here's Mildred. Hi, Mildred. What's your call uh, question this morning? Uh, I had the um, Johnson & Johnson vaccine in March, mm-hmm. and I know that I understand that it's been taken off the market, and uh, I wondered if I should go ahead and get a booster. Somebody, uh, some clinic told me that Pfizer was the booster I needed to get. I just wanted to double check. You can, yeah. So for the for if you got Johnson Johnson the first time, uh, which is a single single shot. Yes. Um, it's recommended that you get either the Pfizer or the Moderna for the second one. So, and that's based off some research mainly that was in Europe and looking at like the different uh, combinations uh, in sequence. And, but it, as far as between Pfizer and Moderna, it really doesn't matter from the data that I've seen. Uh, avail- availability is, you know, another issue, you know, whoever has Moderna or Pfizer. So 
I, I would say uh, either one of those should be fine. And just get it as soon as I can. Yeah, that's far enough out. You said that was in March that you uh-huh. got it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's far enough out. You can get it. You know, is whenever you you can, uh, whenever it's available for you. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you for calling. Uh, so I did want to mention one other thing. I feel like we need to talk about something from COVID. It sort of helps my mind uh, to talk about something else. There's an interesting study that came out of Vanderbilt University recently about high-fat diets and how they really impact us. You know, for a long time, we've, we've talked about high-fat diets and how they impact cardiovascular health. Certainly, the more processed foods and fats you eat, the more your risk of heart attack and stroke. Uh, but we really don't know how that happens uh, other than increasing the fats in your diet. Well, there was some interesting research in mice on this uh, that were fed a high-fat diet, and they looked at the microbes, the bacteria in their, in their intestines, in their gut, and uh, humans and mice, all mammals, really have this, this uh, interactive relationship with bacteria. And we now know that there are certain good bacteria that our bodies depend on from everything from cardiovascular disease to our immune function. Uh, you know, there's probiotic uh, movement, and a lot of the research there is uh, sort of interested in this. Uh, but basically, they did see that there was some damage over time to the intestinal epithelium, that's like the lining of cells in the gut. And over time, due to an increased fatty diet, it did change some of those bacteria in the gut when they studied it, uh, including some harmful bacteria and promoted disease that way. So the theory is now maybe this is an interaction with our gut bacteria in the foods that we eat. It certainly could explain why uh, some of the research around uh, diets that are uh, that are supplemented with certain vitamins that have been associated with cardiovascular uh, healthy cardiovascular uh, lifestyles in certain areas of the world uh, have not really shown that there's a benefit from taking that. But if you eat certain foods that are high in those together uh, with other healthy foods, that seems to make a big difference. So that might explain why that's so effective uh, from a diet standpoint. It might have more to do with our gut bacteria. So you are what you eat, as the old adage goes, and maybe uh, your bacteria benefit from that too, at least the good bacteria that you have in your in your gut. So just something to think about, uh, certainly as far as it relates to what, what we would recommend, what I would recommend is a healthy diet's always a good thing to uh, to try to do a lot of people ask about boosting their immune system and those kinds of things. That combined with an active lifestyle uh, will certainly cut your risk of a number of things and uh, certainly not going to harm you in any way. So just some more research to support that and uh, something to, something to think about. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.